And there goes our season. All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. Texas Tech 2023 baseball season comes to an end in Gainesville after beating UConn, beating Florida, then dropping two in a row to Florida. There's a lot to talk about with this regional and, by the way, a lot to be excited about for 2024. Plus, I'll finally get to saying things on conference realignment uh, towards the end, even though, um, I mean, conference realignment's been going on for, what, a year at this point, all these rumors, and it just keeps dragging out. So, Last week, when I was on this, I made the case for saving Mason Molina to pitch against Florida, and my diagnosis is it wouldn't have mattered either way. Uh, the starting pitching this weekend was excellent for Texas Tech. It really was. Um, Mason Molina was nails on Friday. Kyle Robinson was amaz- amazing on Saturday. Matt Sprout, throw for throw, pitch for pitch. On Saturday night. Then Sunday night, Zane Petty pitched way more than what I thought we could get out of him. I did not think that this guy could go five innings against a lineup like that. I thought if we get three, even four innings out of him, I'll be thrilled. He gave you five great innings. uh, Came a bit unraveled thanks to some errors in the top of the sixth on Saturday. And then Jacob Rogers. And it was between Tabor Fast and Jacob Rogers to start. You hadn't seen either of them that weekend. I was... I wanted to see Jacob Rogers. I think that guy's been really good as of late. He was kind of... He wasn't really somebody that you figured would be in the starting rotation. Um, I was watching a game with somebody, the ACU game, and when Rogers came out of the pen, that person just said, who? And, um, and that guy knows more about tech baseball than me. So Jacob Rogers has not pitched much for us this season until late. But he pitched three really good innings there. He pitched a good inning uh, the weekend before that, and he's been solid for us throughout. Um, you really can't ask for more than what you got from your starting pitching. And I'm going to go game by game here against UConn. This one was a stressful game. <laughs> um, Bazell got you on the board early, made it one nothing, doubled to left center. Vulatich singled to center field, scored green and Bazell or sorry, Bazell and Harrelson, Green got on third. You couldn't bring him home. And then in the seventh, it got a bit haywire. So Mason Molina was money for you through the first six innings. He only allowed one hit, only, and then that was in the seventh. So he ha- took a no-hitter into the seventh, gave up the hit. Then we go to Brandon Beckel, and I was worried at that point. I was worried about Beckel coming in because I th- I assumed – if he goes two innings, he's not going to be available on Saturday for Florida. He only threw 31 pitches, got you through those two innings, those two runners that were already on base scored. And then Josh Sanders with just an amazing closeout performance, took him only 11 pitches <clears throat> as stress-free in a one-run game as you could hope for, got a strikeout just <clears throat> and two ground outs, nothing really hard hit. It was it was a solid performance by him. And at that point, I felt like UConn was out of the regional. Um, I believe one of their pl- their pitchers had mono. And at that point, it was like, okay, this team's not winning the regional. They don't have four more starting pitchers to go out there. They're, I don't even think they could force a Monday game. Um, 
even if things break their way, they're down to two really good pitchers, then a third pretty decent starting pitcher. And your bats were not great on Friday. You went a little bit over 200 at the plate, 8 of 35, not the best. And on Saturday, it did get much better. So Saturday against Florida, who's the number two team in the nation, I think that me and a lot of fans probably had the same opinion here. Just watching that game with how Sprout was pitching for Florida, I I didn't know how we were going to score. And Kyle Robinson, to his credit, came out and matched them stride for stride. He gave up a, a run in the fourth, and then you respond in the fourth. Austin Green, who I did call for him to be benched at points earlier this season, so he proved me wrong. He hits a two-run shot. Gavin Cash gets a solo shot. You're up 3-1. It's looking good. Then Robinson starts off the six by walking guy, gets pulled, and Ryan Free just gives up a home run to the nation's leader in home runs. Um, and at that point, 3-3. Both teams are heading to the bullpen pretty much at that point. Uh, I believe Sprode had another inning in him, but at that point you were getting through him. They started catching up to his fastballs. He had to go off speed a bit a bit and you're able to take advantage of that and then talking about the seventh we're going to talk about some controversy here that's bottom of the seventh two outs full count Kevin Bazell on tied game and the pitch and by the way this ump was giving the outside corner of the plate all game so Bazell got rung up in the fifth on I believe a 2-2 count with two runners on in the fifth, it was a bit outside. I don't really blame the ump for that one. He was giving it all game. Bazell should have swung there. But this 3-2 pitch, it was at least six inches inside. It finished in the batter's box. There was a former AM player tweeting about how bad it was. He sent off multiple tweets talking about how bad it was. It, how does an ump miss that? Lined up on the inside. He's given away the outside corner of the plate all game. And then 3-3 game. Bases loaded. Full count. Pitch comes at least six inches inside. Not even close to getting the corner. And he rings him up. And Bazell, at that point, he was livid. And I I know some people say he needs to control his emotions. You know, that game against him, Houston State, where he got tossed, he probably should have controlled his emotions better. I don't blame him for that one. That was the most ridiculous call I have seen. And, by the way, Bazell, he got rung up on an outside pitch on a 2-2 count. Two innings before that. One comes way inside. There's no chance he's swinging. He knows that the ump's favoring the outside corner. Surely the ump's not going to give it on the inside. And, of course, the ump calls his strike on the inside. Six inches inside the corner. And he says a word. Eric Gutierrez, who loves getting ejected from Florida Regionals, he got ejected from the Coral Gables Regional in 2014. He comes over, says the magic word. I think there's a good chance that he saw. He he was trying to distract the ump there. We don't. Ty Coleman can play third, but you don't really have a great third base option. But behind Bazell, it would have been a killer to lose Bazell there. Eric Gutierrez was really smart for coming in and getting himself tossed for that one, which led to Mason Molina being the first base coach the rest of the game, and then Tracer Lopez also being the third base coach. Um, And then in the ninth, 
Uh, so Coombs got you through the eighth. Bridges came on, got an out, allowed a base runner. Beckel comes in, gets you a pair of outs, and this last out was really amazing. He only threw eight pitches in this one. This last out, you have the nation's leading home run hitter at the plate. He gets him to fly out. He doesn't even turn back and look at whether you make the catch. He just stares them down after getting the final out. And now, honestly, he probably would have had a heart attack a bit if he had looked back because Bazell nearly didn't play that. He hit it. He popped out to to basically the third base, third base, and Bazell was in the shift. So that got a little. That got a little bit nervy there for a second, but you make the catch. You beat the number two team in the nation. You're in the catbird seat. It's all looking good. You have Zane Petty going the next day. You have either Tabor Fast or Jacob Rogers to choose from if you have to go play Monday. Beckel is going to be well rested for Monday. It all looked good at that point for Texas Tech. And then the bats went cold. So on Saturday or Sunday, Florida wins their game easily. You have about an hour and a half rain delay that pushes the game back. Zane Petty's your pitcher. And I got to say, I, I, so I work in Texas. I live in Denver. I had a flight from Denver to Austin. And I probably got through the first five innings. And so I have a working personal phone. Immediately, I was streaming the game on my work phone. And then I bought the bought the eight dollar Wi-Fi on Southwest to see if I'd be able to at least hear the radio, stream the game on my personal phone. And I I just kept that the game on my personal because it was working on the Wi-Fi. I didn't want to risk it not coming back. And Zane Petty was sensational for you. He gave you way more than I expected. I thought if he can get you one time through this lineup, you can burn. You can burn a few bullpen arms. You haven't thrown fast yet. You haven't thrown Rodgers. You can throw one of them, get you through another two, three innings, and then hand it over to your normal guys in the pen and throw the other one the next game. However, St. Petty didn't need that. He went five innings of scoreless baseball. And by the way, that pitcher, Fisher, for Florida, a freshman, he was sensational too. I mean, Seven innings, only allowed five hits, one earned run. At first, you were working the account. His fastball was really nice. Zane Petty, uh, he he didn't have his greatest stuff, but what he did was trust his defense. And he trusted the defense a lot. He trusted the wind would come in a bit from the outfield a good amount. And he, he worked around not having his best stuff against the number two team in the nation. As a true freshman on the road, that is insanely impressive what Zane Petty was able to do. Now, I will say, I do not blame... We'll, we'll go to the sixth inning. So, he allows a man on. Then there's a deep fly ball that Gage Harrelson should have caught. Gage Harrelson should have caught this. And immediately after that, immediately after that, ESPN pans to Dylan Carter in the dugout and I'm just thinking oh come on I know that now this is going to be a talking point why wasn't DC in and I gotta say Friday I was watching Dylan Carter and look I know the guys battled injuries I know the guy's a really good defender he really is he's a great center fielder the guys at bats were brutal he came up in two big spots on Friday and swung at some really bad pitches the the injuries have stunted his development and I'll talk about the transfer portal a bit later I, I I really hope that he goes somewhere and is very successful 
I think he deserves it. But Gage Harrelson also made a great catch the day before that that helped us win this game or win on Saturday. So, I don't know, man. It, it is tough. Gage Harrelson went from being the hero for a defensive play to the GOAT of the game for a defensive play within 24 hours. And, man, that that's rough. That's That's baseball for you. But you pull Petty after that. And I do not blame pulling Petty. This guy was not generating swings and misses. He had one strikeout through five innings. You know with Zane Petty, when it goes bad, it can go bad. And Petty, he has a great fastball. He likes his breaking ball. They work well together, but he only uses his changeup like 4% of the time. Over time, Petty's going to develop that changeup a bit more. He may add a fourth pitch. And he's going to be a lethal starter for you in the future. But he's not somebody that I trust to go seven innings right now. I I mean, I've said it multiple times. I thought he could go three. And then, but that brings us to Jace Lopez. And so I said that I was watching this game on the plane. And the Wi-Fi is spotty. That double play we got at home. My phone paused as I'm watching Kevin Bazell face to throw home. It paused for about 10 seconds. Then it resumed. If we get him at home, we go back out in the rundown, and then my phone pauses again while it's in the rundown. It comes back to them throwing him out at home. And then we were one throw from Bazell away from getting out of that inning. One throw away from getting out of that inning and really getting a massive victory off of it. I don't understand putting Jace Lopez in. But again, we were one throw away from Tadlock looking like a genius like that for that. But once it was 2 nothing, and I was watching thinking, man, Lopez looks out of control. Lopez is not in control right now. We should have pulled Lopez. We should have. And to be fair, the day previous, Coombs looked a bit out of control, and we didn't pull Coombs. And it worked out. But Jace Lopez had gotten one out in the last month. I, I don't get why you go with him there. And then you throw Lysick. He gets you two good innings. You're down 4-0 after the six. You finally get a run in the eighth. And you had chances in the eighth, but once you couldn't capitalize, it just felt like the game was over. And then that's when, that's I think when Tadlock said, all right, I'm looking ahead till Monday. After we didn't get anything in the eighth, I think that he just said at that point, we're throwing Bravo, get us through this, Bravo. Basically, Bravo just helped you out because he gave you a full pin for Monday. But Bravo was never going to really keep that game at 4-1. And the bats the bats were just anemic. It wasn't going to matter. You went 7-31 of 31 all, day, all game. That's not really good enough. You did force, or sorry, they went 7-31. of 31. You went 7-33. of 33. You got no walks. They got eight walks. I mean, or you got a couple hit by pitches, but no base on balls. Uh, they got eight walks and a hit by pitch, so they got nine to your two. The bats just were not going for Tech on Sunday. For all those people that were saying that Tadlock was playing for tomorrow, or playing for Monday on Sunday, why would he start Zane Petty? Zane Petty's clearly your number three. You, you don't start Zane Petty if you're just playing for the next day. And then we're one out away from getting through that scoreless. We're one out away from probably going into the ninth with a save opportunity. 
Tadlock was not just playing for Monday. I'm sorry. I, I think that is the most ridiculous analysis. I think in the ninth, yes, he was playing for Monday. I don't think it was the right decision to throw Jace Lopez out there. But he was playing to win the game. He was playing to win the game through eight innings. All right. Um, Monday, Jacob Rogers pitched a really good three innings for you. People can't believe that we pulled him. Let me just go through this for you. You have Tabor Fast. You have Ryan Free. You have Ethan Coombs. You have Brandon Beckel. You, you have Erdman. You have a bunch of guys in the pen. Jake Rogers has never gone over three innings in his entire career. Or, I'm sorry, he's gone over it once. He's gone over it once, and that was a blowout loss to OU where he came unraveled early in the fifth. And you didn't have as many arms because you had a tough two-game midweek against Stanford. I I understand people seeing guys like Petty and Rogers throwing well, but you also have to understand their history and what they've done for for you this season. Rogers had a bomb hit off of him in the third, and you know this is a three inning guy. He gave you everything that you could have asked for. Now I will say one decision I don't like on Tadlock here. It was the second inning. We get the lead man on second. We should have bunted. We should have bunted because. And I'm not saying it just because of that, but Gavin Cash, the next at-bat, hits a deep fly. You could have been 1-0 up. You could have had a man on third, one out, get him in. You're 1-0 up. You're playing from the front after only scoring one run the previous game. I think that would have done a lot for the mentality of the team. I think it would have helped out Jacob Rogers. I think it would have helped out the bullpen that when they're coming in, okay, we're either tied or we're, we're up by one at this point. And instead, Josh Sanders comes in, gives up a hit on the first pitch, gives up a home run on the second pitch, and I saw criticism of Sanders. This is a guy with a north of a 6 ERA, so I understand you're wondering why he's in. Against UConn and against OU, yeah, OU, in the Big 12 tournament, so your his two postseason outings, he threw four innings, didn't allow a walk, didn't hit a batter, didn't allow a hit, didn't allow a run. He threw four perfect innings in his last two outings. And by the way, he was really good in the Statesboro Regional for you last year. And Brandon Beckel comes in, gives up a two-run shot the next inning. And, or not the next, sorry. Um, he gives up a two-run shot in the next inning. It's it's 6 nothing after 5. And the game felt like it was over. They hit 11 for 33. They hit 333 on the day. You only hit 4 of 30. It was not a good weekend with the bats for you. Um, Just not enough. Ryan Free gave you two and a third. Didn't allow anything. Coombs came in, got you that last out. Uh, Really, I think you put him in because it was his last outing of his college career. But overall... The bats let you down for the second straight regional. I keep seeing people saying you can't hit away from Lubbock. That is true. You hit worse away from home than you do at home. That is true of this team. And it's been true of this team for a good good amount of time. But you scored, what, six or seven runs in Arlington against West Virginia? You scored, what, nine, ten runs against OU in Arlington? Then you scored five against Oklahoma State? It's not just that we have a small ballpark. We have been able to hit away from home. It just wasn't working for us this weekend. And I will say, 
The transfer portal is open. There is tons of reason to be excited about this team. Nobody that is in the portal has shocked me. Dylan Carter, Jarek Curtis, and the key kid were three that I would have liked to keep. McGar, I believe, transferred because he's behind Will Burns and Tracer Lopez, and that's the end of the story in the middle of the infield. And what I see for next year, you're, you're going to get Owen Washburn back. You're going to get Gay Charlson. You need to pick up another outfielder, although Austin Green could play outfield. I'm going to explain what I'm thinking there in a minute. But your infield is just loaded. Your infield is just loaded with talent. You have Gavin Cash at first. You have Austin Green at second. I believe that Hudson White's going to move from catcher to second. You're going to have at shortstop Tracer Lopez and Will Burns. Travis Sanders was probably going to be your starting third baseman coming into this season before he got injured. He's going to be back at third. I think Bazell's going to move to catcher, be with Dylan Maxey. Um, they're going to swap off a bit. Your starting pitching is going to be really good. You have Mason Molina and Kyle Robinson as your Friday-Saturday guys. And then for Sunday, you have Trenton Parrish coming back. You, you've heard of Owen Washburn. You know him well. His brother, Jack, had a 3.35 ERA with Ole Miss last year. He, got, he transferred into here. Got hurt before the season. He's going to be a key piece. Zane Petty could definitely work his way into that weekend rotation. And if not, he's a great midweek guy. You have Jacob Rogers, who, if he can increase his stamina, could be really good for you as a starting option. Trenton Parrish, obviously, he was your Saturday starter for the last half of the season before he got injured. He's going to be back. If he's not back there, he's going to go to a closer role. In the bullpen, you have Ryan Free, Tabor Fast. Um, Derek Bridges is likely going to be back for you, and if he's healthy, he can be an inning guy instead of just a one-out guy like he was this year. Can you put, pick up by Ethan Coombs from the transfer portal that can get you out of tough situations? I, You definitely can, and by the way, this is going to be a very attractive spot for kids in the transfer portal. If you're an outfielder seeing, oh, there's an outfield spot open for me. There's, there's a wide-open outfield spot that I can compete for. And also, you kind of rotate four outfielders anyways. So, they don't win it. They'll still get game time. And you have a young core that's all coming back for the most part. And you're going to lose Brandon Beckel, And that's going to be tough. But who can step up into that role? And remember, Brandon Beckel had a 16.2 ERA his freshman season. He had over a five... Uh, he had a five-something ERA his sophomore year. And now he was your lockdown guy, and I know he struggled a bit late in the season, but he was your lockdown guy under a 2.5 ERA for the year. You're going to, this team's going to be just fine. And it's going to be a question, who can develop into that lockdown guy? Is it a Trendon Parrish? Is it a Josh Sanders who, before those giving up two, a hit and a blast and two pitches against Florida, pitched four perfect innings? There is just a wealth of talent coming back next year, and it's going to be exciting to watch. I know Gurton hit the portal. That guy wasn't even in Gainesville. Same with Andrew Devine or Devine. Um, I, the, the priority for me would be Lysak. He looked really good for you for most of the season and didn't get much usage in conference play. I'd really like to see that guy stay. I will say, I've seen a lot of bad takes. I've seen some people saying that Tadlock earns $5 mil a year. Maybe he gets $1.2. Like, come on, guys. But... And then talking about what's wrong in the program. Earlier this season, there was questions of cultural issues. It's like, 
no, there's not any of that. Um, this was a young baseball team, and they went to head head to head with the number two team in the nation at their place, and uh, they were one out away in that sixth inning from nearly getting two straight off of them, from going into the ninth with a save opportunity. Probably Josh Sanders on the mound again. I mean, after losing Trenton Parrish, one of their starters, after having dysfunction in the starting pitching, this team came very close to doing something special. They couldn't quite finish the job. It is what it is. As Ron Washington said, that's how baseball go. And that's how baseball goes sometimes. But there is so much reason to be excited about this 2024 team. Um, obviously, football is going to start here in a few months. And honestly, I, <laughs> basketball is normally my favorite sport. I think the basketball team is going to be better. But I'm honestly excited to just move straight from football. Because this 2024 team is loaded. Now for conference realignment. And my th- my computer keeps doing this dropout thing, so I'm going to take this very brief because it keeps interrupting me. I think I'm on my 17th track right now. But I don't really care about conference realignment. Uh, I'd love, I work, my office is in Boulder. Um, so two out of three weeks, I'm working every day in Boulder. I'd love to, for CU to come. But Personally, I don't really care. As long as the Big 12 is a competitive conference, gets a good media deal, which it already has. Uh, it's already competitive. There's some good rivalries in there. Um, add add some good teams. I It's okay by me. I don't really care. Um, I like what the Big 12 has right now. Um, I'd love to add more, but th- these rumors, these board meetings have been going on for like a year at this point, and I've pretty much just tuned it out. I I, I think a lot of fans, I assume, are the same way that it just starts to, it gets, it's getting to be a lot. I, I've enjoyed being able to just focus on baseball, and for the next three months, I'm sure that I'll be talking about football, basketball transfer portal, baseball transfer portal, and of course conference realignment. And hopefully, there's something that breaks, so there's something substantive for me to talk to. I will say I got blocked by Greg Swaim. Um, Alkit quoted him as somebody who was very dialed in with big, the Big 12 uh, landscape. He followed me like five days before I saw that, so I tweeted just laughing about it. Of course, he blocked me, but uh, so I, I won't get to see the crap that he throws against the wall like I normally do, unfortunately. But anyways, that's going to do it for this one. It was not the dream baseball season. It's not going to Omaha, but boy, this team looked this team fought hard. They beat the number 10 team in the nation, according to D1 Baseball, on Friday. Beat the number 2 team in the nation at their place on Saturday. And then the pitching held up Sunday and Monday, and the bats just didn't. But that's going to do it for this one. I'm really excited for the 2024 baseball season. And wreck them.